The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. You're listening to the Pet Buzz, and we are in our studios on the Gulf Coast of Tampa Bay. Right, Dr. Fleck? Yes, we are. So we want to welcome you to our show. If you're a first-time listener, follow us on social media, check out some of our videos, and become a weekly listener so you and your pet can get the benefits of this particular show. You know, I talked to a good friend of mine this morning, my friend Debbie, and, you know, I started to think about some of my best friends this week. You know, many of them have dogs and not many people have English toy spaniels. So I met Debbie in the poop area of a hotel in Orlando and it was like a thunderbolt. It was like English toy spaniel love at first fight. So I'm wondering about you guys. Who are your friends? I mean, did you meet a lot of your friends who have dogs from the dog park, from the streets, from a dog training class? Let us know. We're curious. We're curious if a lot of your friends have dogs. And if you share your dog lives together as well as your real life. So like I said, let us know. But now let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. So in segment four, we talk to Waltham Pet Care Science Institute's Kay O'Donnell and pet partners, Mary Margaret Callahan, about the impact of pets on students during the pandemic. Three in seg three, dog trainer and author Brian Kilcommons. He joins us and discusses the behavioral problems of the pandemic dogs and their people. And in two, in this portion of the show, I'm dishing it up. I'm talking about the celebrity pet dish. And I'm talking about canine arthritis and flex facts. Got to love that flex facts. Love it every week. And in segment number one, you know, I have cats and kittens really all over my neighborhood. Some neighbors care for them by giving them food and temporary outdoor shelters. Others want to stop the crazy cat fighting and the poop on their lawn and the craziness at night. The strangest thing that I saw last week was in my neighborhood. So a black cat who I've seen all over the neighborhood, he was jumping out of a contractor's trunk. The contractor left the trunk open to go to work in one of my new neighbor's house. And as I was walking down the street with my dogs, the black cat jumps out of the contractor's car. It wasn't a truck. It was a good thing. It wasn't Halloween. (laughs) Black cat jumping out of a trunk on Halloween. On Halloween. Scary. Yeah, totally scary. Well, today we're talking with Samantha Bell, cat expert, celebrity and entertainment relations coordinator at Best Friends Animal Society in Kaub, Utah. Hey, Samantha, thanks for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. Thank you so much for having me. We're excited to have her here. Yeah, we are. Well, I am because this is a problem that I have in my neighborhood. So, Samantha, talk to us about kitten season. What is it and why do we need to be aware of it? Yeah, it sounds like such a cute little happy fuzzy thing, but it is not. Kitten season is not as cute as it sounds. So as the days start to get longer, the female cats realize 
the weather's going to get warmer. There's going to be more food for us. So they start to reproduce. And this is usually April, March, April, May out here um, in most of the Northern hemisphere, March, April, May, the female cats are ready to have more babies and they multiply at such an alarming rate. This is interesting for all of our listening audience. Okay. At what age can uh, the cats become pregnant and how long does it take for them to deliver the kittens? So cats are able to breed at around four months of age. So babies having babies and the pregnancies only last nine weeks, 63 days. So they can have four or five litters a year. Wow. Humans would love that. Two months of being pregnant. (laughs) I mean, two months. You can have like over and over and over and over. I mean, really, it's just crazy. I mean, no, you know, like I'm fr- I'm frightened now because like what could happen and like what could happen by September? There could be almost double, maybe triple the number of cats. That's right. OK, so like I said, if you if if you're like me and you live in a community with I shouldn't say I don't want people to get the, the impression that I live like at a cat zoo. So if you live in a community like me and there's a fair amount of feral cats, you know, I do worry because we've had rain. You know, what can we do to help the kittens and their mama queen? What can we do? There are two things you can do to help feral cats outside. And that would be to give them some sort of a little shelter, you know, just a styrofoam cooler or something. And then just to make sure the mamas are fed and then they do the rest. Okay. So feed them. The mamas. Yeah. Feed the mamas. Okay. And the mamas will feed the kittens. Yep. Okay, so you had a quite a burning question, Dr. Fleck. Yeah, you know, with with so many cats in the neighborhood, should homeowners and others worry about spreading and since I'm a doctor spreading the disease and killing birds and other wildlife? Well, of course, I mean, but the number of birds killed is grossly exaggerated because birds also die for other reasons. And since 1960, there have only been two cases of people getting rabies from cats. So instead of focusing on the problem, we choose to focus on the solution, which is TNR. Trap them, neuter them, vaccinate them, put them back out healthy. What do you think, Dr. Black? That's an approach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, by by doing that, there will be less cats. There will be less birds killed and less disease. So we want less cats. You know, there are concerns and I, you know, I have found dead birds in my, my yard. I find feathers and then a dead bird or two, but I also have a lot of bird feeders. So I, you know, I should leave a sign for the, the birds. Don't go on the ground at night. You gotta <laughs> watch, you know, watch where you walk. But, you know, I, I, I can understand that disease is a concern for you, Dr. Fleck. Right? Well, I think a disease is a concern amongst the feral cats, but you brought up a point about Hayden, your domestic cat, going outside, and that's why people need to take their pets to the veterinarian and keep up with the vaccination programs right. that protect their domestic cats. No, I, I think it's a valid concern because also if you have a cat that maybe is ill, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night because the security system goes off, and there happens to be one my neighbor's cat who walks across my yard. So, I mean, I think these are all concerns, and I think that's why we have Samantha here to kind yep. of, you know, to talk about it and, br- and really bring awareness, because I think, 
it is a problem. I, I don't remember, know if you remember, we had that journalist on from Philadelphia who talked about the trillion million cats and mm-hmm. that are taking over Philadelphia. Right. Right, Samantha. There's tons of cats and they're living in parking right. lots. And, you know, there was a lot a very organized approach with homeowners there. So I was happy to have him on. I think we had him on probably about a year ago. OK, so let's talk about shelters, because we know they have limited resources in terms of space. So with all the number of cats that we anticipate uh, through kitten season and the summer, what can we do to help them out? The best thing you can do right now is to offer to foster baby kittens. Um, The shelters are overrun with them and they don't have the resources to care for them 24 hours a day. So take some kittens home, bottle feed them. I have two of them right now. I give them their little bottle every four hours. It's heartwarming and you're saving lives. Hey, that's a great way to end this interview. You're saving lives. I love that. It And it is very true that you're saving lives. And, you know, people have to realize this is kitten time, kitten season. They're yeah. here. Every year it happens. So, you know, maybe help out this year, maybe say, I'm going to help out one kitten. Yeah. Yeah. We love that. I do too. <laughs> we want to have you back. We, we love, we love best friends. I'm a supporter oh. of best friends. I'm so happy to be here. I love your show. You two are wonderful. And thank you so much for having me. Thank yeah. you for coming. Yeah, Thank you. Great well, timing too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was great information. And, and I definitely will share it with my neighbors, Dr. Fleck. Okay. And just to remind you that was Samantha Bell, cat expert and celebrity and entertainment relations coordinator at Best Friends Animal Society. To learn more about Best Friends Animal Society, visit bestfriends.org. Okay, up next, you know what? Celebrity pet gossip. I'm talking celebrity buzz. And of course, Flex Facts. So stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? I love animals and want my pets to be healthy, so I asked our vet who recommended EpiPet Ear Cleaner. It's super simple, and it even smells good. Every week I use it on both my dog and my cat to gently remove wax and debris. I even told my friend Aiden to try EpiPet on his dog Sophie, who always had red ears. But not anymore. Now we both have happy and healthy pets. Thanks, EpiPet. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. Tever Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. 
Tever Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Tever Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TeverPet.com. Tever Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Thank you so much for joining us on the Pet Buzz. As you know, the show is hosted by the Dynamic Pet Duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, I always I always love to talk about celebrity pet news, and it's a great way to kick off the segment segment of, uh, of the Pet Buzz. Well, you know, it's funny because a few years ago, Jack Hanna sat behind me at the annual Westminster Kennel Club dog show. I'm very fortunate that I have tickets in the second row. I remember when I saw him, I did a double take. Um, you know, he's just tan, good looking gentleman with that, that leather hat that he always wears. If I recall, I think it was the year that Malachi, the peak that uh, David Fitzpatrick, top handler was showing. At the time, Hannah was uh, working as a spokesperson for the brand Cozaquin, uh, who was a sponsor of the Westminster Kennel Club dog show. Anyway, it's so sad to hear the latest news about Hannah. If you recall, Hannah has been a TV personality as well as a longtime director of Ohio's Columbus Zoo and Aquarium. Well, unfortunately, he has been diagnosed with dementia and his family shared the news in a statement noting that he's retreating from public life due to his worsening condition, which is really happening at a rapid speed. You know, Hannah's legacy continues to live on on YouTube with his hundreds of talk shows and appearances, some of which are exciting and some of which just plain funny. Okay, so more on the celebrity front. So this past Sunday was the season finale of Shameless. You know, when working during TV appearances in Chicago, I stayed in the same hotel as the cast. I would see them in the elevator, the restaurant bar. And for a few years in October, I was always looking forward to seeing the cast, including Emmy Rossman. And I have to say, she really liked my dog, Ty. You know, Ty just passed on with his tongue uh, sticking out. And I was sure that in the finale, Emmy's Fiona Gallagher, who left the show in 2019, would make a cameo in the show's last episode since she was a really big part of the series for nine seasons. Unfortunately, due to COVID restrictions and quarantines, it was impossible for her to get back for the filming. It's interesting to note that on a side note, she is currently mourning over the death of her 14-year-old dog, Cinnamon. Last week, she paid tribute, like so many people this past year, to her beloved rescue dog by sharing a slideshow of the pooch on Instagram, saying that her pet was loved by the family, humans and pets. Also in the news is Michael J. Fox. Uh, you remember him from Family Ties and Back to the Future. Fox mourns the death of his dog, Gus. Now, Gus was a great big dog. He was a great Dane Lab mix who was a devoted companion and really helped him battle his Parkinson's disease. So in his recent book, Fox called the Great Dane Lab Mix a wonder dog for being a constant support through his, uh, his health struggles. That's it for Celebrity Pet News. Now what you've been waiting for, Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! It's going to take long. You got the time. Dr. Fleck, what's the topic for today? Well, you know, one of our listeners, Jenny from Missouri, wrote that her older dog has difficulty getting up and down and seems stiff. 
it sounds like her pooch has. What do you think? Osteoarthritis. So talk to us about canine arthritis. Canine arthritis is a degenerative joint disease or osteoarthritis, as I say, affecting one out of five adult dogs, probably more than that, in the United States. The Arthritis Foundation recently reported that to us. Interesting. That's a lot. One out of five. That's a lot of dogs. But, you know, dogs are living longer, so I expect we'll see more arthritis. I think that's misrepresented. I think there's a lot more than 20% of the older dogs. Okay. So how do dogs get it? Osteoarthritis occurs when the cartilage protecting the bones of the joint is destroyed. The joint loses its cushion, causing friction between bones, leading to pain and decreased mobility in affected joints. Inflammation of the cartilage can also stimulate bone spurs to form around the joints. Since cartilage has no nerve supply, damage can progress with no outward symptoms until the joint is severely damaged and the lubricating fluid has lost its ability to protect the bone surface. Although any joint in a dog's body can be affected by arthritis, the most commonly affected joints are the hips, elbows, lower back, knees, and the wrist of the hockey area. Yeah, just like with people. Okay, so are there other factors that contribute to the condition? Factors contributing to dog developing arthritis include the aging process, mm -hmm. congenital joint disorders like hip dysplasia, osteochondrosis, elbow dysplasia, old injuries, repeated trauma to joints, activity levels in working and athletic dogs, placing increased stress on the joints, and a real bad problem today, obesity. And I was thinking, like, think about all those dogs that are doing agility because they're yep. working. And we start in the summertime, we see seeing all sorts of sporting activities for dogs. So those owners have to be really, really careful. Okay, so let's talk about how osteoarthritis should be diagnosed. You know, mostly people can diagnose it at home, quite frankly, mm -hmm. when their dogs have lameness and just difficulties getting around. But a veterinarian can diagnose arthritis based on the dog's age, medical history, and physical exam. X-rays of the joints may be necessary to determine what the severity of the disease is. Well, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned it because, you know, honestly, it's this time of the year. So there's perhaps if a, jaw, a dog has stiff joints or whatever, he could have Lyme disease too. He might not necessarily. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about how it can be managed. Let's talk about it medically. Medically, managing canine arthritis is aimed at controlling pain, increasing its mobility, slowing down joint degeneration, and encouraging cartilage repair. Options for that include NSIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, mm -hmm. glucocorticoids, commonly known as steroids or cortisone, chondroprotectants. These drugs protect cartilage as it is attempting to repair itself. Okay. Surgery is also an option. That's like, seems like a last yeah, resort. Yeah, that's right? a last resort. So don't even talk about it. Okay. That. So, um, but there are non-medical approaches too, correct? Yes. How about weight control? Yeah. Everybody, weight control. Not only our dogs, but ourselves. But ourselves. Yeah. So if you're starting to know your joints are having a problem, think about your dog if, it, if it's overweight. So if your dog is overweight, this puts added stress on the joints, causing greater joint damage and more severe osteoarthritis. Okay. Helping your dog lose weight will help minimize further joint damage. In other words, further, that means there's already been joint damage. What about omega-3 fatty acids? Omega-3 fatty acids are a tremendous product. They, along with the glucosamines, 
are two great products to use for the joint health. Individually, they uh-huh. have a, a degree of, of assistance. Put them together and they synergize with right. each other, even getting more. And light, of an light to modern exercise is good. Swimming is really another good thing. Take your dog to the beach. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's good. cheap. That's cheap. It's free. free. But you know what? Not every you have to be careful that you make sure doggy the dogs go to a dog beach. OK, what about acupuncture and massage? Acupuncture and massage can be a helpful sort of uh, treatment protocol. Just depends on the individual. Any treatment for osteoarthritis is on an individual basis. So let your let your doctor give you some alternatives. If something isn't working, then go ahead and use some more. That's great. Great information, Dr. Fleck. And lastly, I hope this helps you, Jenny. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice shout out to Jenny. You know, anything else, Dr. Fleck? That's all the Flex Facts for the week. Okay, you guys, I want you to stick around. More of the pet buzz very soon. Bet you can't wait for my I Like of the Week. And also later on in the show, we're talking about how dogs are helping kids with online education. Absolutely. Virtual education. That's the buzz. Okay. Back in a flash or a buzzworthy moment. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter, where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. You know, you're listening to the best in pet talk radio. This is the pet buzz. That's the way it has to be because that's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. Yeah. So, you know, I always look forward to the I like of the week. I always like finding new products or new things I think you guys are going to like. So this week, I want to focus on cats, specifically a new cat subscription box. You know, they come monthly in the mail and they're full of toys. But this one's a little different. Believe it or not, it's called Kitty Poo Club. And it delivers cutely themed disposable litter boxes to your door every month. So out of the package, it looks to be just a few inches tall. But when you remove the lid, the box unfolds as a full-size litter box. You place the lid underneath and add the stabilizing strips, which keep the unfolded side sturdy. So the cardboard has a thin plastic coating inside, so it shouldn't leak, so you don't have to worry about that. As long as you're actually replacing them, that means on a regular basis, the box is made from 100% recycled materials and can be recycled again each month. If you add the removable dome to your order, you can see whether your cat will use a semi-enclosed box. A lot of cat behaviorists don't recommend uh, semi-enclosed boxes because they think they trap in the odor and the cat will 
sniff it, not feel it's it's clean enough. But the top is mostly open, but the dome raises on three sides. So there's a video you could see how to assemble it. And you can get the box for $12 a month or $22 if you include the litter. And you can choose between silica, which some say are, is bad for the environment, but it's good for reducing odor, or a natural litter, which is soy litter. So visit kittypooclub.com. I love that kitty poo club. So, you know, Dr. Fleck, last week I was reading an article in the New York Daily News. It was interesting. I specifically read this article about pandemic dogs and all the problems they're having as owners are going back to work. So, you know, I have been home for many, many years with my dogs. I never had all these crazy problems. I mean, I was home you know, sometimes 24 hours a day, sometimes five days a week. And, you know, my dogs weren't aggressive. They didn't have separation and anxiety. But in this one article I read, this woman, she admitted to spending about $5,000 to get her dog ready for a post-COVID or vaccinated COVID world. Isn't that outrageous? Sounds a little extreme. Yeah. So joining us today to talk dogs in a COVID world is author and dog trainer, Brian Kilcommons. Hey, Brian, we're really glad to have you back on the Pet Buzz. Welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. So, you know, in our COVID world, so many folks adopted some dogs. We know that. What kind of problems are we seeing as the pet owners are starting to go back to work, though? I don't think it's just them going back to work. It's them getting the dogs and love is not enough. You know, in order to have a well-behaved dog, you need to teach not assume. And people get dogs in and they look at them, they go sit. And I went, oh, really? Who taught them that? So one, don't assume the behavior, learn how to teach the behavior. The biggest thing, dogs are getting a lot of anxiety and you're going to get housebreaking mistakes, uh, destructiveness, barking, and uh, generalized anxiety where the dog just never calms down. And the structure and the teaching really address that. But this is one field everyone's an authority on. I have people going, I have people going, I grew up with dogs. I said, really? That's great. You grew up with cars. Do you know how to fix those? (laughs) Oh my God. I have that same comment that comes to me when I'm trying to treat medically. I grew up with dogs. I know how, what I'm talking about. Okay. And usually the dogs do not have a clue. They're looking at these people like, okay, they're speaking Swahili. I have no idea. The other thing, since a lot of these dogs are shelter dogs, What people don't realize, it takes like 30 days for the dog to really get comfortable and claim territory. And all of a sudden, these new behaviors start popping up that they didn't see before. When it was cute in the cage and the adoption counselor was pushing the dog on them. Right. And this whole thing about people are doing a major disservice when they say do not use a crate. Mm. Major. It's It's a tool that gives the dog a safe place. You make it comfortable. You make it positive. And if you know how to introduce it properly, the dog goes, I don't know whose idea this was, but it's great. Yeah, it's like And they'll room. run into their crates. It's and like then, their room. Right. And structuring the dogs. So a lot of the dogs I'm getting in have never been crated before because we equate that with reduction of space. That's how we put people in prison and punish them. Right. Dogs use it as a safe space. And also talking about real life, what we were talking about before, Charlotte, listen, you got three kids in the house, you're working part-time, the husband's out of the house because he's working, you need a break. 
And the crate is like, okay, honey, I got something great for you to chew on. Let's go into your kennel. You tell them kennel, you give them something to chew on. They're good for the next hour or two. So you can collect yourself and do what you need to do. You know, I'm a firm believer in crates. And um, in the last few months, I think I told you I lost, I lost three dogs. Right. So, and they Sorry. all were crate trained and the crates were out in our house. And we did that for a variety of reasons. When you have as many dogs as we had, you know, we could have eating issues. I mean, obviously. Some people like to eat more. The golden retriever was much bigger and a chow hound. So she liked to eat the little dog's food. She'd actually try to open the crate and try to get in there. But, you know, there are other things people don't think about. They don't think about when the um, the guy comes to service your dishwasher and maybe he freaks out your dog and maybe the dog bites him. OK, so, you know, in past episodes recently, we talked about uh, canine liability insurance. So having a crate it it's you know yeah it it could be you know some people can think of it an eyesore i think it's an integral part of your home just like you had said and i think you were right absolutely dog owners who do not use crates for a long time or when you're traveling or when your dog has to go to the vet and stay for a week they are doing a strong disservice to their pet exactly and the thing is, is as you mentioned i'm getting a lot of fear aggression and the dogs go into absolutely hectic behavior when somebody comes in and they're frightened of them. The crate stops it. The crate allows the dog to feel safe. You can have somebody safely go up and reward the dog where the dog goes, you know what? I hate the guy in the blue shirt. Well, the guy throws a treat into the crate and he goes, huh, maybe I don't hate him that much. What color is Brian's shirt? Blue. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a question, Dr. Fleck. Well, kind of in line with what we're just talking about, how can the pet owner tackle these problems? Like some of the ones you like, for example, separation anxiety. Everyone's okay. talking about separation anxiety on the news. This, how much is, they're spending this, this, this is the big thing about thinking that people, I suggest, reconsider. Because they, I have somebody called me, just called me and said, well, he won't come when called. I said, he won't sit next to you when you tell him. You know, so you need a foundation and the foundation is in teaching. It is not demand. So you teach the dog the wanted behavior first, then you link the words to it and then you build on it. And, you know, they're saying, well, he won't come when called. All right, let's look at the basics, work off the basics where the dog will come when it's on lead and distracted. That is where we're going to start. There's no quick fix here. And there are some people you know, listen, there are cowboys out there that'll slap an e-collar on the dog, fry them. I just had a client who, who did it, all right, and punish them to come when called. And the dogs are just freaking out. And people learn to use punishment instead of teaching. And it's the wrong road. And if they were on the receiving end, they wouldn't like it. So as far as, far as doing this, to, in, to be concise, Teach before you can expect the behavior. And if you have a, a challenge instead of a problem, the challenge is, okay, what do I need to do to make this dog comfortable, responsive, and connected to me? Once you establish that, a lot of these problems just drop away. He's real good. He's, just He's good. real good. Okay. So Brian <laughs> is a dog training genius, and his books are 
always a great read. They're always something that you can refer to throughout the years with any dog that you have. And you can pick up his books on Amazon, the library or the bookstore. Um, his advice, as you had seen today, is invaluable. Totally. And to learn more about Brian, his books and his training techniques, visit GD. That's really good dogs. By Brian.com. So up next, Global Pet News. It's going to be political. So stay tuned. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. Use EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Visit epi-pet.com. Well, I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to say it all the time. We're urban. Suburban. And and country. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Let's start this segment with some global pet news. You know, Andrew Yang, you remember him. He's the presidential Democratic candidate who wanted to give universal basic income tax as a way to stimulate the economy in the COVID era. I think he was talking probably at the time when during the election when he was running for office, he wanted to give everyone, I think, $600 to $1,000 every month. Well, anyway, at a recent press conference, he teared up describing the difficult decision to give away Grizz his dog, him and his wife adopted the dog after they got married. It turns out years later, his son is allergic and had a respiratory attack. Well, Yang's comments on Twitter brought up a firestorm. And actually on National Pets Day, he wrote he was celebrating his dog, Grizzly, who he and his wife raised as a puppy, but had to give away because one of their dogs became allergic to him, just like I said. And he noted that he missed the small white pup and added the hash dog dogs for Yang. Well, anyway, you can imagine by saying this and using the word celebrated, thousands of people replied to the post on Twitter. Some of them so angry with the decision to home the dog, but most of them were just confused as to why he was celebrating the family, uh, family pet that he chose to give away. You know, it's funny because I think the choice of the word celebrating is incorrect. I think if he used commemorating, it probably would have been a softer blow. But you know what? Here's the thing. And this is what about this is the thing I get crazy about social media. The, the haters on there. Many people have to give their dogs away for so many reasons. And from what I understand, his dog was rehomed to family friends. Instead of spreading social media hate, I think sometimes the choice to rehome a dog is absolutely necessary. I mean, sickness comes up. 
new situations in the home. It doesn't mean that you don't love your dog. It means that you need to find the best possible life for him. So while we don't know what the Yang family did to keep the dog, meaning IE shots for his child, it was obviously a health concern, which made him give the dog away. And I'm sure it was not a light and easy decision. So I want to hear from you. Tell me what you think. I want to know. Hold that thought. It seems our next guest is waiting on the phone. We know that pets truly make the world a better place, especially now during the COVID pandemic. You know, we're happy to discuss how a new study has revealed that pets have had a big impact on students who left classrooms for virtual homeschooling over the past year. And joining us to talk about that big impact of pets is Kay O'Donnell, Vice President at Waltham Pet Care Science Institute and Chief Mission Officer at Pet Partners, Mary Margaret Callahan. Kay and Mary Margaret, thank you for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. You know, we're excited you're here. And I'm going to ask my first question to Mary Margaret. So therapy dogs have been active in schools for some time now. And teachers, administrators, I'm going to say medical professionals and others have witnessed the effects of therapy dogs on, on students as well as themselves. Can you please review some of those great benefits with us? Absolutely. Um, you know, we're focusing about students and education today. So some of those highlighted benefits, particularly in schools and educational settings, um, we've seen a correlation with the enhancement of skills like reading rate, accuracy, reading fluency, and even reading comprehension. Um, the presence of a therapy animal can increase motivation, uh, focus in learning, that stimulation to keep kids engaged. Um, and also one of the things that we're seeing that's pretty popular in school settings is this um, recognition that there's a decrease in stress, particularly around events like in a school setting, final exams, where a therapy animal can really be a benefit. I got to pet a dog, Dr. Fleck. I mean, I'm <laughs> juiced. I got to go pet a dog. I mean, I'm going to get all those benefits right away. We've, we've got plenty of dogs. Okay, Dr. Fleck. Oh, that's, that's just so good. The, these students need so much help, and it's wonderful that they're helping. So, Kay, was it these benefits and more that prompted Mars Pet Care to conduct the study about how having an animal at home affected some of the over 1 billion students that experienced a disruption? in in-person schooling because of the pandemic? Yes, it was. Absolutely. These benefits from, from the evidence we see from animal-assisted therapy, also from the 15 years of research that we've done at Waltham together with our partners, looking at very controlled studies, intervention studies that assess the benefit of, of contact with pets uh, in a number of different areas, looking at loneliness and isolation, reduction of stress and anxiety, Improvement of social skills, self-esteem, empathy, all of these things. And I think that's great. I mean, I, when I heard about this um, topic, I, I thought it was just a spot on. I mean, you know, we've been talking about how dogs are helping our mental health. And we've, we've heard stories about how some students are suffering in the isolation and isolation and even suicide. But and we've heard about more dogs biting young kids. But I thought this was really a positive impact of dogs and you know, not only young children, but older children, high school students, where that socialization, where the, the maturity level starts to really increase, people are thinking about the next steps in their life. So I thought this was really important. You know, Kay, can you tell us how the how the study was conducted? You know, talk about the protocol as, as well as the results. 
So the study was quite straightforward. It was an online survey, 1,000 parents in the US, 1,000 in the UK. And essentially, those parents needed to be parents of children between the age of 5 and 17. And those children needed to be involved in homeschooling during the pandemic. And so within the profile of the, the parents, about 50% of the pets that were owned by the parents were cats or dogs, but there was other pets as well. And essentially, they were asked a range of questions around their observations, so their perceptions of what they were seeing with their own children. And essentially, we got some, I would say, as a scientist, very reassuring results, because actually, it was additional evidence that was very consistent with what we'd seen in scientifically controlled studies uh, historically. So we saw comments like the parents felt that presence of the pets um, made their children less stressed. They believed that it helped them focus more. Uh, they believe it gave them a distraction, a reason to go away from the screen, uh, a reason to play and step away from learning and, and get some enjoyment and, and interaction. Many people commented that, that children interacted in different ways with their pets. So they played with them, they talked to them, they read to them. Four out of 10 children read to their pets. And, and that, again, reinforces reading and, and the positive relationship building that you get with the pet. I think it's great because so many times, you know, you're, you're in school and um, obviously the teacher is the dominant role in a classroom, but by the teacher actively engaging with the child and the pet just develops another type of deeper relationship. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And I think if you think about it, the intensity of the conversation that the teacher is having with the student is kind of nice to have a little deviation from that. We do that in our everyday existence. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. I mean, what a great interview. Just to remind everyone, that was Kate O'Donnell, Vice President at Waltham Pet Care Science Institute and Chief Mission Officer. I like that title. At Pet Partners, that's Mary Margaret Callahan. For more information, I want you to check out these websites. First of all, Mars.com. Waltham.com and petpartners.org. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. It's that time, Dr. Fleck. I know. I mean, that was such a great interview. And I could have talked to both of those ladies for a long time, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's so important for our days with our concern about kids this decade, this this segment of education, sure. of learning. Are we going to lose some? Thank you, Pets, for helping. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think now we're thinking about other things. We're thinking about just surviving. We're thinking about the economy. We're thinking if there's going to be another pandemic. And yeah, don't you think that this is just a transition year? Don't you get that impression? I think so, but it's another, it's, I think we have to take what we've experienced and, and move forward. But we can't really talk about this anymore because we got to wrap the show. Oh. So will you do me a favor and thank our guest? Special thanks to our guest, Samantha Bell, Brian Kilcommons. Kay O'Donnell, and Mary Margaret Callahan. And we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have any questions, write to us at team at petbuzz.com. We'll talk about it next week on our show. If you missed any portion of this show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the linked podcast on Monday morning. But most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. 
Peace out and pet love. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.